Welcome to Is Mayonnaise a Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Omar Lopez, and I'm joined with someone who has darkness inside him. Josh Hemo. We all have a little bit of darkness inside of us. It's just, you know, what we do with it. Isn't that like a superhero thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. With great darkness comes great responsibility. That's exactly right, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't know which superhero that is, but it's it's there. I got to rewatch my Marvel movies or something. <laughs> Um, for those of you that are new to this podcast, this is our podcast where we have a little bit of fun watching some SpongeBob episodes and discussing little life lessons that our yellow spongy friend and his other aquatic sea life buddies teach us. Like always, we're going to start off our week by doing some donation links. Jumping on the same theme I went on last week, and I'll probably do it until the election. It's just a more for election organizations that are helping bring awareness and like stopping voter fraud. So this is a vote 411, which is an organization that's teamed up with uh, the League of Women Voters. Um, and this is actually developed by the League of Women Voters Education Fund. And the idea, it brings uh, information about how, you know, absentee ballots, um, what's on the ballots, how you can... Uh, ID requirements, what you need to do, what you need to bring. Um, and it basically is just like a one-stop shop for all of your election needs, basically. Um, the League of Women Voters is like a long-standing organization that was originally established to help women vote. And since then have just been making a lot of like leeway or headway in the United States, just bringing awareness and uh, making it easier for everyone to, uh, to vote. So that's uh, why we went through it this week. What about you? Nice. I have a Venmo for a mutual aid group called the Revolutionary Action Party. Uh, it's an LA-based organization. You can't tell by the by the title. They're pro-communist socialists, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one of my friends basically retweeted it, and they were helping them out. So uh, they last week they were giving out care packages on Skid Row, um, free meals, clothes, books as part of like this kind of people swap meet situation. You can Venmo them at at Rev Action Party. Um, so that will be in the show notes. So this week, Josh, we are watching season five, episode two, the original fry cook and nightlight act one, the original fry cook. So in this act, it's a normal day at the Krusty Krab when suddenly a golden boat limo pulls up and it turns out it's the original fry cook from the Krusty Krab from way back in the day. And his name is Jim. Everyone, including uh, Mr. Krabs, is in awe. And sure enough, Jim's crabby, like behind the grill, starting to make some Krabby Patties. And it's the best thing SpongeBob has ever tasted. And very quickly, he's like, mentor me. He grovels at his feet. And SpongeBob gets a little bit of training and gets some, uh, gets a little bit discouraged and decides to leave the Krusty Krab because he thinks that Jim is going to replace him again. So to start things off, Josh, what I want to ask you is, Gold limo, gold mansion, or gold lake? What would you want? Hmm. Probably the uh, gold limo seemed pretty sweet. I feel like if you lived in a cold mansion, it'd just be cold all the time because it's just metal. And then how? what would be the purpose of having a gold lake? I can't swim in that. That's true. But like, I don't know. Like, I'm in between the gold limo or gold lake. I think gold is a poor like building material. So I feel like it would tarnish over like, I don't know how many years. Mm -hmm. 
Um, gold limo, I also feel kind of the same way. So I'm wondering, like, if it was just a lake of pure gold, if like what I just need to do more research from a <laughs> chemistry standpoint because I'm like, gold anything can't last that long, right? I don't think so. And then, do you have guards for your gold lake? I mean, so that's one of the things he even he had. I think that he carry he has guards that travel around with him. Yeah, like, some bodyguards. Some bodyguards, the ones that are blocking people from seeing his process. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't put it past him to have bodyguards to you know guard his uh, gold lake and his gold mansion. <laughs> um, this is another one of those uh, episodes where Squidward, uh, <laughs> you really see like a sad, sad progression with him. Yeah. Um. Because, like, we've always just kind of assumed before this whole situation that Squidward was hopeful at one point, but it, like, really seals the deal this episode where (laughs) Squidward, like, was definitely, like, his whole life ahead of him, and now he's just, like, a cashier at the the Krusty Krab forever. I wrote down that, like, he's definitely cursed. He, like, mentions that he's like, you know, oh, yeah, and I'll lose my luscious locks, and then that second he loses it, and I think that's all down from from there. So I want an episode to figure out how Squidward got cursed or what he did to aggravate the universe. Yeah, who knows? Because like even in those moments, he wasn't very, he wasn't rude or he wasn't mean doing or anything. anything. Yeah, I I am a firm believer that Squidward hasn't done anything to deserve all the terrible things that happened to him. I feel like again, it's something that's in his past, a curse someone's put on him for some reason. Maybe it's like a Stanley Yell Not situation. Yeah, whole. <laughs> You'll figure it's out. All, it's all. Is it's all uh, someone in his family? Yeah. Um. What do you think of Jim? He he comes in with such a swagger, you know, yeah. and like a self confidence. I thought that I wasn't gonna like Jim, honestly. Like when he came out of that gold limo and everyone's like kissing the ground he walked on. Basically, I thought I didn't like him, but you know what? I I thought his confidence is deserved. Like he clearly is like very good at what he does and what I appreciated about Jim and I think was like a very like good lesson from this part of the episode is just like he knows his self-worth he like he knows that he's very good at what he does and that's part of the reason he left to the Krusty Krab because Mr. Krabs was an asshole and wouldn't give him a raise mm-hmm. for all the work he was doing I think it's so messed up that Mr. Krabs considers any type of wage compensation negotiation as like a joke yeah he was just like laughing <laughs> Like any single time that Jim was like, "Hey, you're gonna have to pay me," he he just cracks up. Um, so I'm really curious what the degree of difference between a Jim Krabby Patty and like a SpongeBob Krabby Patty. Also, it opens up a whole other like realm mm-hmm. that I'm confused about. Is like, is Jim just making the Krabby Patty a better version of the Krabby Patty somewhere else? Like you know. I guess, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, what he said in the episode is that he left the Krusty Krab and then started working at, like, renowned restaurants across the world, right? So is Mm -hmm. he just a fry cook at all these restaurants, or is he actually making stuff? I'd like to think that he, like, extended his culinary prowess and, like, branched off a little bit other than just making burgers. That's why I've always been confused about, like, how, if there is any type of copyright in the restaurant world. Yeah. Like, okay, so if I, like, Gordon Ramsay's very famous for, like, his beef wellington or whatever, right? So if I learn how to do it from him and I'm really, really good, I watch a bunch of master class and I learn how to do it. And then I just go around, I open my own restaurant, and I'm like, beef wellington. Like, how how is he going to know, one, 
that I'm making his recipe and I didn't change something really minor, like, oh, instead of a tablespoon of salt, it's a teaspoon or something. It's a I don't know. Like, and a half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like, or, or it's like, uh, I bake it. At, salt instead of regular salt. <laughs> yeah. Or I, I cook it at like 375 instead of 350. I don't know. Some bullshit like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I always have been curious about it because, especially since like you think of corporations and it's like, oh, the Big Mac sauce, like, technically is, like, a secret thing. Same thing with, like, KFC's, like, uh, is it, like, their The recipe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's how they get away with it, though. I think it's, like, the, the little things that they do to tweak the base food, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, the Big Mac sauce is, because it's just a burger. It's just a burger place, but what's special is whatever sauce they put on it. And same thing in KFC. It's just fried chicken, but it's a special mm-hmm. spice blend that they have a trademark on, I guess. But I don't, it's food such a weird universe. Like, there's no way that you can trademark it, right? There's just because you make, like, someone makes a burger and it's really good. I'm going to make a burger too. And if it's good too, like, it doesn't mean that I'm copying the recipe or like stealing from them. Yeah. And you see so many like things online that are like, oh, make a Shake Shack burger or an In N Out burger at home. Yeah. And like, people always try to make their own version of it. But I don't know. Like, I, I've always been curious about how that really works. Cause then, like I said, you could, you could be just like Jim and you're like, yeah, I trained in the finest restaurants, but I'm still using the base Krabby Patty recipe, which is the best like burger in the world kind of situation. Well, I wonder what that's what it was. Maybe do you think that Mr. Krabs has tweaked the secret ref- formula like over time based on the fry cooks he's had? Like, do you think Jim has no, had? He doesn't you don't think care. So? <laughs> I don't think he cares. I think Jim maybe did. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe Jim like has. had some doing and making the Krabby Patty better than what it is now. Maybe. Um, also, I did not know Patton Oswalt is Jim's voice. Yeah, I couldn't tell at first, but I only caught it because the title, the very last thing in the credits was Patton Oswalt. Yeah, he has like a bass to his voice in this one that yeah. I wasn't really used to. I'm like used to hearing him like a closer to like a Remy who's like a higher rap person. Or like, <laughs> or like ranting about Star Wars on Parks and Rec. Um, I had a question for you, Josh. Mm. On a personal level, do you think my hair will ever get as long as Squidward's? Nah, I don't think so. And if it does, do think- it's never going to be as lush as that. Those are some luscious locks. I guess maybe that was why it <laughs> they they went they used all their lusciousness in in that moment. Oh yeah, I you do could- like Mr. Krabs sideburns though. Yeah, they weren't real, but that was that was also that whole backstory thing was like, did that actually take place in like what was supposed to be like the seventies or the sixties or whatever? Yeah, I like, guess so. Is it that far back? Is Squidward actually that old? I assume so. Only just because like his his hobbies are very old. I guess so. Yeah. Um, I do love the the really great comedic timing with Squidward, where uh, SpongeBob goes up to him and he's like, "We had some great times too, right, Squidward?" And he's like, "No." It's like it's just like so flat, and it's just like boom, right off the, right off the bat, it just hits it perfectly. I love it. I love Squidward. All of that. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the episode was actually when uh, SpongeBob takes a bite of Jim's patty and he goes on a like, mm-hmm. weird patty acid trip. It reminded me very much, of, I don't know if you've seen the acid, uh, Pikachu on acid on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the classic. <laughs> it reminded me of that like weird animation that they always like do for stuff like that. It was great. I noticed that the music in the background sounded very, very familiar to like the whole the power within. Yeah. yeah. The power within. It sounded just like that, so it makes me think that maybe Jim harnessed the power within. <laughs> oh, do you think and it's finally all finally became you know <laughs> Patty Guru or whatever? <laughs> Full circle. Um, I have a question. Like, so how do you feel about like 
reliving the good old days. I feel that's like a lot of what this episode focused on is just like once Jim showed up, they're like, oh, it was so great when you were here and it's so cool. And he was like going back to his old stomping ground. Um, so I wonder what, how, what do you think about that? Cause I always think it's weird whenever I go back to like the U of A on campus and stuff and be like, I don't feel like I belong here, but there's definitely people who like show up to their old high schools and old colleges and you're like, oh yeah, this is my old stomping ground. I'm so cool being here. Yeah. I think people overestimate their value yeah, at a place. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think it becomes like we've talked about it before, like valuing like our work over like our other lives. Like we think like, oh, I dedicated so much time to this place that they have to know me. Yeah. But like the reality is if there's I actually put this as a small lesson, it's a little bit of a bummer, but like I don't want people to think about it as in like people will never remember you. But I put don't expect people to remember you unless you've made a profound impact on their life. Like for Jim to like really like solidify in Mr. Krabs's mind like he he is like the employee and I think it's because he's he was like been there since the beginning yeah um but like no I get the same like feeling that I do like I really thought that I would be going back to like my high school a lot more to like help out more yeah um and I've done it once but like it doesn't feel you'll feel a disconnect eventually yeah, I think that's what it is. It's a disconnect. That's a good word for it. And then that's why it's like, I don't get how some people don't get that. Like they go back and they're like, oh, I'm still like king of the school or like, oh, I remember all the good times. And it's just like, nah, like I don't really have a connection here anymore. I also like, I don't know if this is a knock against teachers, but I really don't expect teachers to remember me. Yeah. Like, um, like there's a, like two teachers I expect to remember me. And the only reason I expect them to remember me is they literally have me on Facebook. And we talk to them at least once a year when we go back home for like the holidays and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like I just, I really, like I said, I really think that people overestimate like the nostalgia factor. Like I think about like my time at my old job, like literally I felt like we were the crew that like, like put together everything perfectly. Right. And then when I left or like even when I was promoted, and like there was different people in charge, like it started becoming like weird. It didn't like feel like the same. And I think it's just, there's certain moments in time that you can bottle up and they're really, really great, but you just, you can't get back to that. And for me on a personal level, that's always been hard for me to like, like deal with. Cause I'm like, man, like there's so many cool moments that I enjoyed like in high school. And I know that's not everyone's experience, but like, or even like in college. And I'm like, I, to go back to that and just re-experience it is like pretty interesting like the thought of it's really interesting to me yeah i guess so and i i guess going back like reminiscing is like one thing but it's Mm -hmm. like trying to relive those days and be like making like that's your claim to fame i think it's just kind of silly because eventually you you don't want to go back you don't want to go back like you peaked right exactly eventually you got to move on and hopefully do something better and that's like i think jim's walking a like good line here where he's going back and visiting the old friends basically but mm-hmm. I feel like he's not taking it to the degree of like, oh, I was like, this is my old stomping ground. This is so great. Everything's wonderful here, you know? Yeah. I really like as far as my small lessons, they basically all revolve around fair pay. Mm-hmm. So like basically mine is advocate for fair pay. Don't worry about being priced lower than someone else. I feel like this happens all the time as a freelancer. They're always like, you shouldn't do weddings for this much. It's like so cheap. But the thing is, and the reality is, and I always tell people this is like, how much do you want to do this for? And if they're like, I want to do a full wedding and I want to take pictures and give the like 
them a photo album for a hundred dollars and like someone else is like you're gonna price me out who wants that client yeah like oh i paid a hundred dollars for my like wedding photos right no one wants that client at least that is making good money doing that already like you just need to like let the people who are gonna like lowball and like take those clients and then you just work on your own clients you know because like in the end jim had all his he was making millions of dollars and even though spongebob is literally like that's what mr crab said he's like you're cheap that's like something that like that i keep you around never yeah yeah, exactly like he'll never beat you because he'll always be cheaper than him but like spongebob is happy where he is where he is whereas jim was not happy where he was at being lowballed like that yeah exactly and I, I think, like, I didn't really enjoy SpongeBob this episode. I actually thought he was really annoying this episode. Mm-hmm. Just, like, how he just, like, created this whole situation out of nothing and whatever. Mm-hmm. I just was annoying to me. But I think some of the stuff that he did, or in my small lessons that he did bring to um, bring forward for me is, like, you know, cook with heart. And that's one of the things he's, like, I always put a little love in. And it was, like, that's I've noticed that people who, who cook the best are the people who like take the time to actually taste their food and like put a little like extra care into it other than just like following a recipe beat by beat, you know? Yeah. And then also like, he's like, I don't do it. Uh, I don't do it for the time. He's like, I do it because he loves it. And it's like, you know, his true passion should never be about the money. And that's something SpongeBob is very, always been very good about is that he does very much care about fry cooking and like, is he does it cause he loves it. And so it's, it's always good to see, and hear him say that because like maybe uh, it always like is a motivator, you know? Yeah, I actually put that for one of my small lessons: take pride in your work. Yeah, uh, and same thing with Jim, where he's like, "I don't sign anything I don't cook," and he's like, uh, "Don't put your name on something you aren't proud of." Yeah, which I feel is hard is hard for me as a freelancer because there's a lot of things that I'm like, I filmed that because you know, gotta gotta feed myself. Yeah, I do like that SpongeBob a redeeming quality in this act is him like asking basically for mentorship. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important that like you kind of try to find those people that you're like, this is this person is so amazing at what they do. I want to learn from it. Yeah. Instead of I think there's like the exact opposite, which you kind of see both of them in this episode is like this person is so good at what they do. Why do I even bother? Yeah. Which I think a lot of artists have a a hard time with, you know, it's like, oh, like this person can draw like 10 times better than I ever will. So why should I even (laughs) bother learning? Um, And I think it's instead of seeing it as like, Maybe I could be that great or maybe I could, you know, reach that echelon or pass it. If you are good at something, it's like it's always good to like spread that knowledge, like pass that knowledge down. Because at first, he like Jim was hesitant, but he like saw how much SpongeBob wanted to learn and was able to do that. And so that's what's something I think is important. If you're like really good at a skill or you have knowledge to pass down to someone like you should take that opportunity to do it because if it dies with you, like what is, good is it doing? You know, if you don't have like a a way that it outlives you. I think that's always important to kind of keep protege. A protege to say, yeah. <laughs> bubble break time. Whoop, bubble break. Um, okay. So, you know, SpongeBob really, really wanted to learn how to make that patty because it was like his favorite thing to do, his favorite food, and he wanted to make it perfect. So I was wondering if you had a specific food that you wanted to make perfect and get like mentor to make, what would it be? I actually, uh, one thing, and it's not a food, actually, it's a drink, is I want to make learn how to make the perfect michelada. Oh. Because there's only one michelada that I like, and it's BK's, and it's in Tucson, and it's not the, the only one I like, it's just I hold it, uh, like, 
at the top mm-hmm. compared to every single other one that I've ever had. Um, and I honestly think it's it's just the best tasting. Do you think that's I, a, I, a nostalgia factor to it, though? I do, because when I go back, like, there's, I think even in a restaurant, there's such, like, differences in quality. Yeah. Like, it all depends who makes it, how lazy were you the day of, like. BK's pretty consistent think, with their Mishis, though. Like, it's yeah. always, every time I've gotten one, it's always been, like, the same quality, so. Yeah, so, like, I don't know how they make the mix in the morning, how they do it, but it's, like, it's pretty bomb. Yeah. And I went to, uh, Tucson has a Michelada, like, contest. Yeah. Um, I went to it one year. I hated it um, because one BKs was there. They're all there, serving so... Bloody Marys instead of Mishis. Oh, a hundred percent. So like, yep. they were all say, uh, like serving Bloody Marys instead of Mishis. And then BKs wasn't even there. So I'm like, okay, if the biggest competitor is not even here, like, what does What's that even point? mean? Yeah. It's like doing right? Iron Chef without the Iron Chef being there. It's exactly. <laughs> so uh, for those of you at home that don't know, a Michelada is kind of like a Bloody Mary. Um, it's as far as I know, like a Mexican thing. Yeah. Um, not very widespread, but it's basically like a Bloody Mary, but with beer instead of you know vodka, I guess. Right. Yeah. Like Bloody Mary, but like there's so much other things that go. I think wrong. it's a is it a Sonoran thing specifically? Yeah, I'm assuming so. Yeah. I I should look up the history of it after this, and I can become more educated. That's how you on start. Road. Yeah. But like honestly, it's just like. There's such a specific taste that I look for. Like I make my own at home and those are okay. And like I've had other people's that are okay, but there's such a specific taste that I'm looking for. And BK's is always the one that's closest. Mm -hmm. And that's why I really wish I could learn how to make theirs. And then once I know how to make theirs, I can tweak it very subtly to be perfect in my mind. You just got to reach out to the restaurant. Next time you can be whenever next time you actually can be in Tucson or Arizona, Reach out and just be like, please mentor me. <laughs> I should email, send them an email right now and be like, I, I can't come back to Arizona for the holidays. I really want a Michelada. Can you tell me your exact recipe? You know, they'd probably um, do it too. I don't know. Like, if I was in a restaurant, I'd be like, no. Hmm. I'll train you. If you were working for me, I'll train you. Yeah. Um, or I'd be like, we make the mix every Sunday. Like, you know, the, the guy who knows how to do it comes in <laughs> or whatever. Long I don't know. family recipe he's not willing to give up. Because it's just, there's something about it that's just like so, I don't know. It's just perfect. It's got yeah. the right amount of spice because a lot of people make them too spicy. And then a lot of people make it with uh, tomato juice instead of clamato, yeah. which is like slightly different. And like, I don't know. It just doesn't have all the, all just, the things going for it normally. It rings all the right mm-hmm. bells. That's what it does. I've only exactly. think I've only had one Mishi that's better than the one at BK's. It was like at some little taco shop in the middle of nowhere, California, but they nice. went all out for it. So I don't think I'll ever relive that because I've been back to that taco shop and got one and it was like not the same. So it was you like think it I, was just a perfect storm. Uh, whoever made it yeah, that day. Yeah. <laughs> that person put love in it. It was Jim. That was and it. Then yeah. He left. <laughs> so what about you, Josh? What is your go to? Like, what is the food uh, you want to master? Sourdough bread for sure. I am a slut for sourdough bread. I love it, but I cannot make bread to save my life. Like I've tried so many times and I don't know what I do wrong and I just can't figure it out. So, but that out of any kind of bread, if I could figure out how to do that, that would, that would be it. I'd be done. I would offer to help you, but my baking attempts have been pretty bad. Even though, uh, my wonderful friends got me a KitchenAid. I've been (laughs) lacking on the baking because 
I was told, oh, baking's a science. You just measure it out. 200 grams. Yeah, that's some bull. Grams. That's some bull. And then it's I threw it magic. in and it went to. Yeah. It all went to. Baking is some weird magic that they all claim it's science, but it's not science because I will follow a recipe to a T, but my breads will still come up a pasty mess. So please yeah. explain why that is. I don't know. I, I've looked it up everywhere. Like I made those conchas and it was just, it was, it was rough. Yeah. I feel like that's what it is. Like baking specifically is just so hard and that there are like people that need a lot of mentorship. Like I've been watching the great British bake off. I'm just like, I'm, I have so much like appreciation for those people on there. Cause I'm like the way they just like throw it together in an hour. I'm like, Oh my God, I could never, I cannot do more. That. <laughs> and it's like so crazy too. Cause like I've read a couple of bread books and they're all like, just uh throw in flour water in this and it's like and there you have a simple right. bread with those ingredients you it's can like, make no. anything and i've like, done that and you. it just comes out You're tasting like it tastes like that paste you would put on a balloon to make like what is it called the paper mache and i'm like this is not good <laughs> <laughs> what i think is also kind of crazy is like with baking in general you're like you work so hard and then you don't really know it sucks until you're until done. It's done. At the very end. Yeah. Whereas like cooking, you kind of know it's going wrong in the middle of it <laughs> and like or at the very beginning of it. But at the very end of baking, you're like, whatever. And then sourdough is such like it needs a time to be exact. Thing. Yeah, because you have to like there get the in uh act like what is it? The uh what is it called? The starter perfect over like seven days or however long and feed it perfectly. And it's just like if you mess it up, it just goes to And all the fancy places have like the mother starter. Yeah. Like the like they've had it for like two hundred years. They've or mixed some sort of like the orange zest into orange zest into it with some like beer or special stuff. I'm like, I can, I do not have the brain capacity to figure this out. <laughs> it's not in there. That's a good thing Hopefully. about the Mishi though. Is like no matter what, you still got a drink at the end. So <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're drunk. You can be just be drunk. Yeah, it's fine. No, so one day we'll you can make a sourdough bread and I'll put a Mishi inside it, <laughs> it like a weird bread bowl. Act two, nightlight. So, you know, this is actually a good time for this episode because we're getting into the spooky season. It is almost Halloween, which is crazy to think that it is Halloween of 2020 already. It's very scary. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, SpongeBob is reading a scary story uh, right before bed, which is never a good idea. And of course, it goes to his head and he can't sleep in the dark. So he buys a bunch of nightlights and he goes over the top, you know, him and eventually getting Patrick to join on it. They still a lighthouse. They go crazy. Um, and eventually they are able to basically recreate the, uh, I guess the mermaid man and barnacle boy symbol in the sky on accident <laughs> and barnacle boy and mermaid man show up and, uh, some shenanigans ensue. And uh, eventually they have to fight, uh, their, his biggest nemesis, the Mothman. So, uh, not the strongest episode. Uh, oh no it, it was, was pretty rough all over the place like it started off with him being scared of the dark it jumped into a mermaid man and barnacle up boy episode and then that kind of dissolved into this other like thing and none of it really was like solid so uh, all right but that leads me to the question that i want to ask you have you ever encountered anything scary enough to make you actually afraid of the dark like a movie a book something like that um, for me, it definitely happened when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't happen so much now. Um, yeah, not a lot of things make me afraid of the dark. Like for me, it's and I've always gone back to this. It's like it's definitely your brain always. Yeah. Like right now, if I'm like I'm alone, there's no one behind me. Like, 
is there someone in like the alleyway? Like <laughs> I like that yeah. is what's gonna get me into a headspace that's like, oh, something's behind you. Run. It's, it's what's like, in the dark. Yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What about you? I think the only I'm definitely like, you know, as a kid, you always I think you always get afraid of the dark. But the only like legit time as like a teenager that I can actually recall it happening was after I watched the uh, the ring. <laughs> like right after I watched that movie, I was like legit. Like I couldn't walk down my hallway because it was dark. I was like, no, I'm not. This is not happening. I'm not about to be dragged into a fucking television. <laughs> Sometimes I do like very, very rarely. I'll get like night terror kind of situations uh-huh. where like a nightmare is like so bad, but you're or like a where you're like awake but you can't move. Yeah, like Some kind of sleep situation. paralysis thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it's called. Um, I've had that like a couple times. Um, again, mostly when Ugh, I was younger. Yeah. So like that's like a little bit freaky. I'm so thankful I've never um, had to experience that. It just seems like one of the most terrifying things to go through. It really is. It's just like again, it's like telling your mind like, like your mind is so powerful that yeah. you just can be like, it's gonna come up with whatever it wants to, especially if you're like half asleep or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, if you if you can close your eyes and dream that you're you lived an entirely different life and then wake up and be like, oh, that was weird. I thought it was like. You know, at school, like taking a test and I didn't have my pants on or something like that. Like, yeah. like if your brain can come up with that, like you can definitely like freak yourself out anytime you want. Yeah. That's all like, that's how I think about it. Which is like know? very much what SpongeBob did this entire episode. Like, I mean, it starts up. Well, not the entire episode. It was literally just the first two minutes before it went off the rails. But oh, yeah. like he was imagining something like in his hallway or like creaking at his door and stuff like that. But it's very much I thought. The one thing that this episode I thought did pretty well was um, animating that in a way that like is very relatable when you're like get scared of something you, like you hear something crack at the or like scratch at the window and maybe it's a hand but it's really just like maybe a tree branch or like the wind or something right and I mm-hmm. thought that they did a good job like portraying that as far as like SpongeBob psyche like playing tricks on him. That's why I always think like in a scary movie I would probably die first because I'd be like, God, it's just like the radiator pipes. Like, calm down. <laughs> You know, yeah, and then it turns out to be the demon that's just hiding in your bathroom, waiting to you know suffocate you or something like that. Yeah, it's but great. I also think like there's a turning point in every like scary movie where it's like, okay, this is very obviously a demon, and you're not doing anything about it. Yeah, like, uh, like I always think about Paranormal Activity because we recently rewatched them. It's like you literally saw like a Ouija board move on its own, like, and there's no one around. What gets, I would what gets be like, me okay, in that movie that's is really scary. They saw like the hoof prints in like the, yeah. the flower and then like one of them got dragged at some point in time but they still like we're just gonna sleep in our bed it's fine i'm just like get the f- out of that house what are you doing like <laughs> yeah i'd be like go inside a f-ing church yeah I'd, I'd go and sleep in a church i'd break into a church and just lay there stupid it's, it's just dumb things you don't f- with things like you don't bring a ouija board in your house because like oh i think there's a demon let's f- with it yeah stupid that's a lesson so. right there that's a free lesson not from the episode <laughs> Um, I have another one that's uh, don't be afraid of the dark. Yeah, just turn on the light bulb. Yeah, get over it. Or you know, don't go all out and buy like a billion in night lights like SpongeBob did. I don't know why he at some point he just like turn on the lights in his house, just sleep with the lights on. You know, I don't yeah. get it. Um, one thing that I saw before, I don't know if I ever brought it up on the podcast or I brought it up to you, is I saw that they made a night light for your toilet. Yeah, that goes like and on the was... inside of like the ring. Yeah, yeah, I don't get that. No. Like. I, I get it if you have, like, a kid. Like, if you have a kid that you want them to go to bed, like, when they go to the bathroom, you want them to have, like, a light to, like, 
easily make it in the middle of the night. I guess so, but who doesn't turn on the light as soon as they walk into the bathroom? A literal child. I get. Maybe. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. me as an, a grown adult, like I'll probably stumble my way into like into the bathroom so that way I can like keep. You know how like you get that those eye sleepies. Yeah. Like, the little, in, like, the in between eye... times. Yeah. Yeah. The in between yeah. time where you're like, if I go pee and then I go back to bed, I'll stay asleep. Um, yeah. Like that kind of situation. But either way, like you still have to turn on the light in the bathroom, right? Or you have to be really confident in where you're aiming. Uh, with the ambulance, at the <laughs> yeah. the ambient light, right? But I do think like the only way that you should have like a fucking nightlight in your toilet seat is if you're like a child, because like I could see a kid like I got up in the middle of the night, I really need to pee, um, I'm gonna run down the hallway to the bathroom because if I turn stop turn on the light, I'm gonna piss my pants. But every time I've like, seen like I see ads it. for those, it's never for a kid. That's what I understand. Like, do people miss the toilet that often that they need a nightlight in their fucking toilet? Like, yeah, I've never like I sometimes like I'll risk it. And like, it's the time like right before it gets super dark outside. And there's just like just enough ambient light in the bathroom where I don't have to turn the light. I was like, my aim's fine. I'll be fine. But like never in my life have I like pissed like all the way onto the wall or like whatever that I need a fucking nightlight in my toilet. Like the, take the two the seconds to times... flip on the light. <laughs> The only times I miss like hardcore, uh, like if you ever had those like toilet seats that have like those covers on them, yeah, and then you like put it up and then like starts falling like while you're midstream, like that's like a like uncontrollable thing because you're like, wait, I gotta stop this, and then like all of a sudden it's just everywhere, yeah, yeah. But I always clean up after myself. But anyways, it's one of those things like I just don't, I don't get it, and that's what reminded me of this episode when he was like, I'm buying all these nightlights, I'm like. And then he put one in the toilet. I just instantly was like, why would you need a nightlight in the toilet? There you go. Maybe his aim's just real bad. Or he's just afraid. <laughs> I did like how he put a, a light on the back of Gary. He's like, Gary, I forgot to change your tail light. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty good. That was a good gag. <laughs> yeah. But like you said at the beginning of this whole act, it's like everything is crazy in this. Like you think it's going to be about SpongeBob being afraid, but then it's a Mermaid Man episode. And. Mr. Krabs is somehow involved as well. Yeah, like it's, it's not even like that time where he forgets how to make a Krabby Patty, like where Mr. Krabs like has like a hand in like helping him out. It's just like very much like this isn't my problem. Yeah. <laughs> like here you go. <laughs> I think the episode also had some like what it did do, it had some good frames in it. Like I've never mm-hmm. I've I've seen the SpongeBob like crossed eye reading a book meme, but I didn't know what it was from. And I'm glad that they figured it out with this episode. Yeah. And then like when he shows up to work after not sleeping and they have the close up of his face, I was like, yeah, I definitely feel like that sometimes when I haven't slept or like every day. Yeah, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think season four had a lot of memes. No, not memes like the, the close up. I think there's probably one or twice, once or twice that we've talked about in season four, but definitely not a lot, which I missed, you know, even when like, they do the close-up of uh, Squidward's burnt eyes in this. I was like, I love that. It was, it's disgusting, but it was funny. Yeah, but it's just like, I don't know, it feels like a Spongebob staple. So yeah. like with season four, like not really having some good ones. Like I feel like it's good that we're starting off this season like with a with a stronger, like two very clean even though it's like a weaker half, yeah. it was like at least strong visually. Yeah. Um I do like how when he's shopping, he's shopping in his pajamas. I don't get why like in cartoons they're like, Oh, I went to like the store in their pajamas. Like, what did he do after he got done talking to Mr. Krabs in the middle of the day? At assuming the beginning of the day, and then between he went to like uh the bargain mart or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what? 
what did he do in all that time? Just like nothing. I'm like, why did you go home, get dressed in your pajamas, and then go to the store right that's before you went to planning. bed? That's poor planning. That's poor planning. That's a that's a small lesson right there. You know, plan your day out better. So that we're not going yeah. to the grocery store an hour or like 15 minutes before you have to eat. Or in this case, it's already dark out and then you're buying all these nightlights. Yeah, I put um, invest in some good window coverings because oh. of Mr. Because uh, of Scooter getting his yeah. eyes like <laughs> like magnifying glass. <laughs> that was good. That's good. Or even like Patrick, the little sliver of light that he got that like woke him up. Yeah. I didn't want to talk about Patrick in that moment too. It's just like, his weird FOMO that I haven't seen Patrick have before. <laughs> He's just like, I can't believe SpongeBob was having a party without me. And he like went over there, like yell at him. I was like, the nerve, damn. <laughs> I mean, they're like best friends. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah. So like, I don't know if I found out that someone like some close friends had like a big party without me, I'd be like, why didn't you and you invite? You're gonna go march over to their house and start screaming at them. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not. I'm too passive. For yeah. that. <laughs> Um, at the very end when Patrick like runs into the sun, apparently, oh, yeah. I put that as a small lesson as well as too much light is bad for your skin. Yeah, that, wear some sunscreen. Wear some sunscreen. But that's also another one of these like bad parts of this episode. He just runs up like a ray of sunlight to go to the sun. Like what, is, what even is that? There's no explanation. There's nothing. It's like the end of that episode with the, the monkey and the horse that just like ride off into the sunset. I'm like, it's another <laughs> one of those things where it's just like, let's just throw a weird ending in They here. didn't know where it was yeah. going. Um, I do. I I did think at first it was like maybe this is a metaphor for their death, <laughs> but then he came back he and came, I was like, okay, yeah. maybe not. I could see, yeah, uh, I could see that, but yeah, definitely the fact that he came back. Well, one two gags that I really really enjoyed were where he like anytime he blinked he was screaming, because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we don't really think about like how often when you close your eyes you're in complete darkness for yeah. that one moment, and it's probably because your brain does something cool or something like that to make you not really think about it. But the second thing was. Pinky's Dance Studios. Yeah, I did. I wrote that. Is that a dance studio or a gentleman's club? I would like to think it's a gentleman's club, especially with like how the legs are kicking everything. I was like, yeah, this is definitely like a can-can situation. But do you think? Uh, remember that very, like, very, very early on uh, joke where it's like too loose track, uh, too loose Latrec, yeah, with like all the like the fishes with the legs. Do you think that's what they are at at the gentleman's club? Oh yeah, fish heads, but like women legs <laughs> with the can- can. human legs yeah I, I, I love that that let's make that canon that's done 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 set that in motion go to 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 pinky's dance studios to edit the wiki real quick i did also like uh when mermaid man and barnacle boy are like asleep on their couch while mermaid man's like watching infomercials and he has one the infomercial is watching for a battery powered spoon and i'm just trying to wrap <laughs> my mind around how a battery powered spoon would work I saw the only one that I've seen, the only example I've seen is like those Parkinson spoons that, that like, like bend back gim- and, that have yeah. like a gimbal yeah. and everything in them to like keep things like keep people from like spilling hot soup on themselves. That's the only thing I think but, of. Like and then uh, that scene in like Paul Blart where they have he has like a vibrating spoon when he eats too fast or something. Yeah. <laughs> I just it's like I, I every utensil I would understand is battery powered. Like a fork, you like battery powered so it stabs things makes sense. Battery power knife cuts things, but a spoon is the one thing that I wouldn't understand how it would do anything useful. A, he- a heated spoon. Heated spoon. Yes, that's good. You keep my soup hot all the time. Yeah, I did see a knife recently that, like, supposedly you. It was on TikTok. <laughs> I saw this <laughs> knife that you hold it, and like the heat from your hand melts butter. Huh. Like I don't know how it like conducts heat that well. I was like, that must be a thin knife or 
what I don't know what's that's, going yeah, on there. Yeah, that's some weird science. But, <laughs> but I, I would imagine something like that. I I like the little thing that he says after he's like, infotainment is not like it used to be, and then like that just reigns true because sometimes like when I had cable, that's like the only thing you could do is just like watch infomercials, and I would get to that point mm-hmm. in high school sometimes where it's like three o'clock in the morning with insomnia and just like. I guess I'll sit here and watch this like crappy infomercial because I have nothing else you, to do. You either watch like Full House, not Full House, Cheers. Cheers or like, yeah, <laughs> Nick at yeah. Night, or or you force yourself to watch infomercials because it's it's already after you... the George Lopez reruns and everything. It's <laughs> into the infomercials, yeah, exactly. yeah. And then if you accidentally like you if you go to like Comedy Central, then you're now you're seeing Girl Gone Girls Gone Wild on repeat, like, yeah, and you're like, oh man, like. <laughs> You're like, I can only watch this so much before my parents might come in. Exactly. <laughs> um, one thing I I still don't understand is why do all of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boys like enemies, Nemesai, Nemesai? Nemesis? I like Nemesis. Let's Nemesis. go with Nemesai. Nemesai I like Nemesai. Yeah. Uh, they all don't age. That's true. Yeah. I don't get it. Maybe, maybe they do age, but we never see it because it's underneath a mask, right? Mm-hmm. It's possible. No, because but... like Man Ray was frozen in tartar sauce. Yeah. So like he he gets a pass, whatever. But Dirty Bubbles, fine. He's a um, bubble. They live forever. Well, that's true. Yeah, but like, and then this moth guy like sounded in his prime. I don't know. Well, he's like I haven't seen him in like what sixty two years. So it kind of makes me fifty seven. I was like, makes me wonder where this moth guy was at, and how is there a moth guy underwater again? The logic, because this like episode was just bad. I'm just like, let's just throw a moth supervillain in here. Why not? Also, he's like super f***ing strong. For the he's size. like Ant-Man he strong. Ant-Man. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Maybe that's uh, the Wasp or whatever from Ant-Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, another thing that really threw me off is why is Barnacle Boy in the backseat of the boatmobile? Maybe he was taking a nap. He was sleeping in the backseat because it was so late. <laughs> And also, why do they put the most like senile man in the front? Yeah, driving? <laughs> I would like. I just don't. I, I, so many unanswered questions in this. Act. I just really hope that 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 invisible mobile has like a auto navigation system. I mean, you can't really tell if there's any dents in it. You know, that's true. There's. I mean, honestly, there's probably dents all over that car. I can't imagine. <laughs> Time for the wumbo lesson. Big old lesson. Big old Wumbo lesson. You no, know, I'm actually like, despite uh, part two being kind of not so great, the Wumbo lesson actually worked out. was pretty easy for me to like dig through this week, which was nice. Because sometimes we get the episodes and it's not, it's just hard. What did you, uh, what did you pick? Now I'm really curious yeah. to, to hear yours first. <laughs> I hope that we didn't get the same one. We'll start off right off the bat with that stealing bullshit. Uh, That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. I got that uh, your imagination can be your worst enemy. Oh, nice. Okay. That was really That's not what I have good, at all. Great. Um, but like act one, I think SpongeBob like wanting to like resign because he thought Mr. Krabs was gonna like fire him to hire Jim. That was all in his head. Like that wasn't real. Jim was not interested in taking that job. And Mr. Krabs is in no way ever gonna hire Jim again because of the race thing. And it was all in SpongeBob's head. And again, in like the second act, like it was all in his head, all this fear of the dark, the things that were coming after him, like having to buy all these nightlights, it was all in his imagination. And then that's sometimes like are people are like, oh, you use your imagination, you know, to get creative and, you know, make stuff. But sometimes like your imagination is what makes things worse. Like it makes situations so much worse when you overthink them and all that kind of stuff. You know, it makes you 
you know, people talk about it a lot with like depression or anxiety, like their imagination is like, oh, my friends, all my friends hate me and stuff like that, you know? So mm -hmm. it's just like, you gotta be able to kind of ground yourself and recognize what's real and what isn't, you know? Or like you look the context clues, like in the first part, SpongeBob should have just seen the situation for what it was and Jim was not interested in coming back, you know, instead of freaking out about it. Yeah, and then the second part, you should pay attention that, yes, I do have a chair in my... <laughs> In my house. Yeah. Are you, and it's kind of spooky at night. Yeah. Or just maybe not read a scary story <laughs> so your imagination doesn't go crazy. Well, I, Fatima does that. I was going to say, I was going to bring that up. Fatima <laughs> listens to those murder podcasts and then she says that she has nightmares. I have a small lesson just for Fatima. Stop watching scary <laughs> before you go to bed. And what's worse, it's, it happens. She just read Midnight Sun or whatever, yeah. which for those of you not in the, in the circles... <laughs> Uh, Midnight Sun is the book by Stephanie Meyer. It's like twi it's Twilight, the first book in Twilight, but from Edward's perspective, because mm -hmm. Stephanie Meyer wants kind of money. Cash. <laughs> uh, and she's not done being a shitty person. So uh, Fatima uh, got the PDF from a dear friend who purchased it for <laughs> her legitimately, and she had Edward Cullen dreams all all week. I don't know if they were sexy dreams, but I'll I'll discuss that outside of the podcast. That's how uh, Fifty Shades of Grey started, basically. A hundred percent. So Fatima has to cash in on those dreams. <laughs> what did you get? Mine was "Don't let your time be taken advantage of." Oh, nice! That's a good little nugget. I like that. So, uh, my examples are basically very obviously with Jim and his skills. He very much was like, "We're lining Mr. Krabs's pockets." We have our own value, like we deserve a raise, or I'm gonna leave. Mm -hmm. And he left, and he he grew. He grew ten times bigger than Mr. Krabs will ever be, right? Um, and like, it's really silly to me that Mr. Krabs can't see that. Um, and then like another thing with Mr. Krabs and SpongeBob fear, like SpongeBob's like whole fears and everything like that. He uh, SpongeBob comes in like with all his bullshit, and Mr. Krabs is like. Uh, now nah, you can go do that on your own time. <laughs> and he's like, leave, because you're like costing me business kind of situation. And then even Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, they're like, you can't just be summoning us in the middle of the night. Like, we, we're old. And specifically, I wrote it down because I really <laughs> like the line, was, um, you know how hard it is for us in our advanced age to move? And he like just like had to think about it. Yeah. Um, they were like, we're old. We can't just be doing this all the time and i feel like there's a lot of times especially for me where i'm like i need to advocate for my time and advocate for myself and be like look you can't just have me whenever you want especially especially right now with covid19 everyone expects you to just be free whenever and it's like no i'm gonna be staring at the wall for 20 minutes i'm so i'm gonna do what have i become yeah <laughs> i'm gonna do that if i want to go I'm into gonna... existential crisis i'll do it on my time and i don't need to plan around your yeah, because yeah. we all got darkness inside of us. <laughs> there you go. We, Take it all the way back. Explore that. Go around. <laughs> so yeah, for me, uh, um, it's a very simple lesson, but I think it's a lesson that needs repeating. No, always. I think it's good. I liked it. I think it, uh, you know, especially like you said, I think I'm like glad you brought up COVID because I think a lot of people assume because it's been what eight, nine, who knows how much time has passed now, <laughs> time doesn't mean anything anymore. Where we are, mm -hmm. just kind of been sitting at home. That people are like, I can you, you're free to do whatever now. You know, I, if I have something for you, that's you're gonna jump on that. 
And that's not the case. You know, I think by now a lot of us have kind of figured out other stuff that we can be doing or found stuff that we want to be filling our time with, you know. So I think also a lot of us realize that like even doing nothing is tiring. Yeah. Which I think is very interesting to see a lot of type A personalities figuring that out like for the first time where they're like, I really did nothing today, but I feel exhausted. And I'm like, yeah, welcome to depression, baby. (laughs) It's real. It's it's been like that for for decades. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyways, hopefully you didn't get depression while listening to this <laughs> podcast. If not, go back and listen again. Maybe it'll get worse or better. Yeah. We'll find or just out. Just embrace the dark inside of you. It's fine. Exactly. Um, but most of all, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to send us anything like some suggestions, some comments, please reach out to us on ismazepodcast.com or you can email us at ismazepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on almost all social media, um, but primarily Instagram if you want. And be sure to share with your friends and your enemies on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you can find our podcast being bootlegged um, across the internet. Um, and share some, like, write some nice little comments if you can. Little, um, little love notes. Yeah, or hate notes. I'm fine with that yeah, too. Both are good. Whatever, whatever makes you feel good. Yeah. Actually, Omar, before we go, do you, do you have a sec? Anything for you, Josh. Just cop a squat and uh, lay your wreck and tell me what's on your wig. Uh, cut the gas, Omar. You can dig this. You know, I've been busting my conk for this podcast. You better lay some extra gravy or I'm going to agitate the gravel. Uh, what are you talking about? You know, lay a patch. I don't, I don't know what that means. You'll pay me some of that ad money or I'm quitting. <laughs> what ad money? <laughs>